Our scripture passage for today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of, those, of, or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, please join with me in prayer before we begin the sermon. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for being our God, and we thank you for watching over us always, Lord Father. Lord, at this time as we come before you to worship you, Lord Father, let us truly uh, put our focus on you and on you alone, Lord Father, and help let that be the, the pace that we set, Lord, that uh, this year we truly focus on you. Lord, we pray that uh, you will use me to speak your words of truth, your, your people, Lord Father, that it will be your words flowing through me and not my own, O oh Lord. Continue to guide us and keep us always. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, once again, Happy New Year, everyone. I realized I can't just make this stand. Can you believe we're already on the first day of the new year, 2022? Just really flew by, and I think all of us can attest that for some, for whatever reason, every year seems to go by faster and faster. And now we're here on 2023. And if I was to ask you, if you look back on 2022, how was your 2022? How would you respond? What would you say? How would you describe the past year that just went by? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it as expected? Was it not as expected? Was there was everything that came easy to handle, or were there days when you just wanted to crawl back in bed and just not come out? And perhaps you could answer, it was all of the above. It was a mixture of all those things. There's good times, there's bad times, there's things I could handle, there's things I couldn't, and I wanted to crawl in bed and not come out, right? And when we begin a new year, as we are doing so today, we begin it with high hopes and lofty expectations. We begin with desires and plans of what we hope to do or what we hope to accomplish in this upcoming year. We hope that 2023 will be better than 2022. We may make resolutions on how to better ourselves in the new year. We may even plan things out according to various dates and various seasons on what we hope to do or what we expect to do. But the thing is, how much time do we spend preparing and planning for the unexpected things that may happen or are bound to happen in the new year as well. Are you prepared for the unexpectedness that could come in the new year? Right? We're very good at planning out things that we want to do, but how good are you getting prepared for the unexpected? And I know a few people planning to get married this year. They're planning out their weddings well. They're finding out the venues, the cost, trying out dressings, getting photographers. But how much are they preparing for what 
may not be expected. There's a saying, right? Prepare for the rainy day. Prepare for when things may not go exactly the way that you hope that they will go. And our text today seems to highlight this very message. Are you prepared or are you preparing for the coming day of the Lord? You know, we just finished Christmas and with it we finish the Advent season. And when we talk about the Advent season, the season a few days before Christmas, we talk about it as we look forward to Christmas Day, right, the, when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, but we also wait expectedly and look forward to the second coming of the Lord as well. That is what Advent is. It's not just a focus on Christmas, but on a focus also on his eventual return. Our text tells us to do this, prepare for the day of the Lord. And all believers, believers in here, we need to be able to encourage and build each other up and remind each other to do this as well. Our passage starts off today by saying in verses 1 to 2, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul tells his audience, you do not need to know the exact time, the exact day, the exact season, year of when this day, the day of the Lord will be. Because we already know, because Jesus said, that will come like a thief in the night. It will just come randomly when you don't expect it. Nowhere in scripture does it tell us when the Lord will return. Back in the day, there used to be a lot of people who tried to calculate with using the various numbers they find in the Bible or whatever the case is, when the exact day of the Lord will be. Even in L.A., when I was growing up and we would drive on the freeways, there's something very different with the freeways and the highways uh, in L.A. And, and New York. New York, there's not too many billboards, right? But L.A., there's a lot of billboards. And every so often, every few years, there'll be a day, uh, there'll be a, a sign that says the day is coming. And it'll have a, like a, an actual day, like March 23rd, 1998. I'm like, what's happening March 23rd, 1998, right? But it's because... Loony people in L.A. will buy these billboards thinking that's the day that the world is going to end when Jesus is coming back. And they would advertise it and March 23rd will come by and it will be March 24th and then the sign will just disappear. Right? Because people think, oh, I could calculate. I could use my head to find out what this day is when you realize, no, nobody knows. This God says nobody's going to know. Rather, the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. A thief in the night. You know what the, uh, the first rule I think uh, to burglary is? Don't tell the house, people in the house that you're going to bur burglarize them. Right? That's the first rule. Right? Because if you tell them, hey, I'm going to come by next Saturday around 6 or 7 and, and steal your TV, well, most likely they're going to prepare for it. Right? They'll prepare for, for your attack. Rather, you do it without warning when it's least expected so that you can steal as much as you can without getting caught, and hopefully when their guard is down, when they're least expected. Right? That's what Paul is saying. Jesus is going to come, maybe, most likely, when you least expect it. So are you ready for it? Are you getting ready for it? Verse 3 says, while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Here, Paul is quoting other people, people saying, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to have a good year, right? 2023 is going to be a good year. Don't worry. It's going to be all good. 
There's nothing prepared for. Just live your life as is. But Paul then says, suddenly destruction comes like labor pains for a woman. We have a lot of pregnant moms currently right now. We have, have many women who have given birth over the years. And now I know, being a father myself, that when you go see the doctor the first time, they have this, uh, I don't know how, if they do it now, but they have this like circle thing where they kind of like turn it. And they go like, okay, your expectant due date is boom, right? And they give you a date, right? Your expectant due date is, I think for Ryan was uh, the, tw- the 29th of February, something like that, right? And they just looked at a chart. I was like, how do you know? It's like, well, you just look at this chart and da 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 da, right? But we also know, all the moms in here, that you might have hit that expectant date or what? Your child came earlier than that date or they come later than that date, right? It might hit it exactly, but more often than not, it might not come exactly. Both my sons were born exactly two weeks before the expectant date. Exactly two weeks before. And I remember uh, with Ryan, the doctors assured us, looking at the, his size and looking at his positioning, exactly, you got, you got two weeks, don't worry about it. You're going to fill the whole 40 weeks all right, of the pregnancy. And all of a sudden, uh, my wife started feeling some labor pains exactly two weeks before. Right? She started feeling some contractions. And I, I being the great husband and first-time father, I said, hey, the doctor said the baby's not coming, so it's probably just late, fake labor pains. Don't worry about it. Right? It's, it, the, the doctor assured us like yesterday that he's going to come in two weeks, so, so uh, don't worry about it. Right? And even the timing of the contractions were off. Right? When you have a baby, it kind of gets to the set like, minute, 10 minute, 10 minute, 9 minute, 9 minute. Okay, too much information. I was at work. I was o- about a 30-minute drive from my house. But my wife called me and said, oh, we got to go to the hospital. Right? I was like, all right, fine. I'll go pick you up and we'll go to the hospital. And my wife said, uh, I'll eat lunch while I wait for you. And I was like, don't eat lunch. We're going to go. They'll say it's fake contractions. We're going to be sent home. And we'll eat lunch when we get back. And, and then what happens? We go to the hospital, and they say, you're having a baby right now, right? No food. My wife gives me a glare. I told you I was hungry. I can't eat anymore. And she gets ice chips for the rest of the day, right? That's how the Bible says Jesus' return is. You think you're good. You're not prepared, and then, bam, you have a baby. Or for our text purposes, Jesus is here, right? When you least expect it. For my wife and I, being pregnant, we were preparing for the birth of our child, right? We were getting things ready, but because he came two weeks early, I didn't put the crib together, right? I didn't have all the necessary stuff just because I thought I had more time. I thought I had more time. And as Christians, we live that kind of same life. We know, oh, the Bible says Jesus might come any day now, but maybe not in my lifetime. I have more time. I have more time. I can do I can do stuff for him next year. I can serve him next year. I can go on missions next year. I could teach in the, in the children's ministry next year. I, I have more time. I have more time. But nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. You need to be working and building on your Christian faith now. You need to be working out your Christian faith now. Verses 4 to 5 says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So Paul is telling the Thessalonians, you're not in darkness. You're not sinners. And you're not oblivious as well because you have been reminded and told that this day is coming. Right? 
You shouldn't worry about it. You should be happy that it's coming, but you also should be prepared for it. As believers, you should be preparing and getting yourself ready for the coming of our Lord. Right? You are children of light, children of the day, meaning you belong to God. You will be a part of salvation, so don't worry about it. But you should also prepare and get ready because you know the life you should be living, the life you have been called to as a child of God. And as children of God, even if you don't know when the day of the Lord is, we still prepare for it in our daily life, in our daily speech, in our daily action. Growing up in California, one of the drills that we had every year uh, that I don't think they have here in New York is the earthquake drill. Right? We had an earthquake drill because we live on a, a great fault line and that could cause massive destruction. And there has been a lot of big earthquakes in California. And so we had earthquake dr drills every year, which is basically uh, they will ring the bell and we will go under our desk and sit there for like five minutes and then they will call us outside. But in the, <coughs> in the beginning of the year, uh, when your parents sign all these forms and send it in, uh, emergency contact forms and things like that. In California, they also made you send in an earthquake kit, right? And what does this earthquake kit uh, consist of? Is uh, it, it was consisted of like um, canned food, just in case the big one hit, uh, some granola bars, like food that doesn't go bad, and a big black trash bag for you to sleep in, just in case the big one hits and the land tears open and you fall in. You get a sleeping bag or a, a trash bag to sleep in, right? Now, that, that's where earthquake preparedness is because in the 80s and 90s LA, they thought the big one would come at any given time, right? Every year passed, we brought the kit, we sent it to school, nothing happens, and at the end of the year, they send the kit back with us. So once again, nothing happens, but still we, quote unquote, prepare for the big one. The day of the Lord will come. We don't know when it will come, but we pray for it the same way. Verses 6 to 7 says, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. When Paul uses the word sleep here, he's referring to our spirit. Right? Do not become spiritually disengaged. Do not live a life that you want to live, but live a life worthy of being called a child of God, continue to work on your spirit. Continue to grow on your spirit as you prepare for the day. Those who sin, those who sleep are in darkness. They do things at night in the dark. They get drunk in the dark, right? But we need to be awake. We need to be spiritually awake. We need to be mindful of the things that are happening around us. We need to be spiritually strong and continually work on our personal growth as a Christian. Verses 8 to 10 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and, lo and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. Paul then gives us information on how to stay alert. It is similar to the armor of God found in Ephesians. He says, put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. Faith, love, and hope. Three key ingredients to being a Christian. And it harkens back to another Pauline epistle, 1 Corinthians 13, which says that in the end, it is faith, hope, and love that will remain. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, and by extension, telling us to have a firm faith, a faith that helps you know that God will do what he promises he will do. Have a hope in God 
that God promises are true. That as believers, Jesus' ultimate coming is not to hurt or harm us, but to save us. Have hope that God will keep his promise. And finally, love. As you live out your life of faith and hope, do all things in love. And when you do this, you'll be assured that the day of the Lord is nothing to be feared. We are destined for salvation. So whether we are dead or alive when Jesus returns, we will still live in him. And the reason why Paul shares this is because of the persecution and the untimely death of some of the members of the Thessalonian church. He is reassuring, he is reassuring his listeners. Whether you're awake, alive, or asleep, passed on, you can still obtain salvation in Jesus because of your faith. Theologian Abraham Smith says this, Paul's apocalypticism inspired hope, gave comfort, and provided challenge to the socially alienated persons of his day. Reminders of God's provision for the absent, the deceased brothers and sisters in the future are powerful testaments of God's care for all believers in the present. Smith is saying, though Paul's words may sound scary, speaking about end times and things to come, they were actually messages of encouragement and hope to all believers. So what must we do then as fellow brothers and sisters? Verse 11 tells us, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Because people can stumble, because people need each other, Paul ends this portion on the day of the Lord by saying, encourage one another, help each other. When days are tough, remind each other of what is to come. Remind each other that the day of the Lord is something to look forward to, not something to fear. Remind each other that we will all stand tall on that day. Be an encouragement as you have already been, but do it all the more when times are tough. You know, in one of my earlier sermons of, uh, I gave in 2022, I shared uh, something. I shared that I was going to do one push-up a day. You guys remember? I shared I was going to do one push-up a day, and each day I was going to add another push-up, right? So on January 1st, it was going to be one push-up. January 2nd, two push-ups. January 3rd, third push-up. And all the way until December 31st, which was yesterday, and on yesterday I would have to have done 365 push-ups, right? You guys remember? You guys remember. At that time, I shared, it may not sound like a lot to you, but for me who does not regularly work out, it's a lot, right? <coughs> and I thought, you know, for the first few weeks, months, I'll be okay. But I knew after a few months, it's going to be rough, right? It's going to be rough. Thing is, I shared I would be doing this in a sermon in February of 2022. And I kid you not, a lot of people, a lot of people, would come and ask me, hey, Pastor Charles, how's your push-ups coming along? Right? And they would encourage me, Pastor Charles, you're doing your push-ups? I hope you're doing your push-ups, man. You said you're going to do your push-ups. You're doing your push-ups? Right? I gave a lot of sermons last year. You know, if things got down and hard for me, if I had something that I was wrestling with, and no one would come to me and say, hey, PC, remember that sermon that you gave on, on hope, Elpis, living hope? Just trust in God. He'll see you through. Right? Or if things were really sad for me, uh, no one would come and say, hey, remember that sermon you gave, Pastor Charles? You told us, right, about God's love. And you shared about how, you know, when your grandmother was dying, she looked out the window and she said she saw Jesus out the window. And, and you told us that God is what you, in life and in death, right? Remember, God loved you, Pastor Charles. Nobody says anything like that to me. They just say, hey, how are your push-ups coming along? Are you doing your push-ups, right? People don't even remember the point of that push-up story or that sermon, probably. They just ask, you doing your push-ups, right? 
Well, my friends, in total, last year, I had to do, in total, 66,795 push-ups, right? That's what I had to do. And I've managed to do about half of them, 34,000 plus, right? I failed. No, 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 no. I failed. I failed. And there's a reason. I had a good run. I had, I had a really good run. Yeah. January to May, it was a good. Right? Uh, one push-up, boom, I got, I got this, man. Two, boom, boom, right? Even when I hit the 20s and 30s, I, I got this. And then in June, early June, something happened. I caught COVID. I got COVID. And, you know, if you got COVID or if you got sick recently, uh, after not being sick for two years, you kind of get confused on what you're feeling, at least for me, right? When I got COVID, I was like, what's going on with my body? Am I dying? Because I wasn't sick. I wasn't sick in 2020, 2021. And it took me two and a half years to get sick, right? And so I got COVID, and I was like, uh, I, can't, I can't move. I'm not, I can't do these push-ups right now, right? So I stopped, and I stopped for, uh, I'll be honest, about a month, right? And towards the end of June, we had a commissioning service for Pastor James, right, at uh, Hacknesha Church. And we were having dinner, and at that time, I remember John Hyun and Hannah Song asked me, hey, you doing your push-ups? Yeah. Half a year passed, you're doing push-ups? And, and I was honest, hey, you know what, I caught COVID, and I, I, I haven't done them in, in quite a while. And they said, you know, they're nice about it. Like, Don't worry, Pastor Charles, just forget about those, and you can restart. You do it again. And I was like, all right, yeah, I got this. And July, July was pretty good, too, right? July was pretty good. And then I guess another thing happened. Uh, I went on vacation, and I thought, I'm not doing this on vacation. I'm going to enjoy my vacation. I'm just going to rest, and, and, and that was in the August, right? And so I didn't do push-ups for about two to three weeks in August. And the problem is, by August, I had to do about 200-plus push-ups a day, right? So not doing push-ups for two to three weeks, I've hit about, uh, I backlogged like 3,000 by the end of that trip, all right? That would happen. And then finally, as you guys know, the past two months was uh, just kind of a hard time for our family. We went to Korea. We came back. We went to Korea again. We came back. And uh, in November, December alone, I had to do 20,000 push-ups. And I could say I did maybe a total of 500 the past two months just because of jet lag and, and body rhythms and, and things like that. And so out of 66,000 plus, I ended up only doing managing to do half of them, right? And like I said, you could be understanding. You could say, hey, it's okay, Pastor Charles. Your family had a difficult last few months, and I can agree. But in reality, if I'm honest with myself as well, I have failed to achieve the goal that I set for myself. But I can also say I did more push-ups in a calendar year than I did in my entire life. Right, 34,000-plus push-ups was more than I did <laughs> in any other given year of my life. And even though it might look, not look like it visibly, I did grow some muscles. And I can't put my arms all the way down now because it's like, yeah, getting a little bigger now, right? So what's the point of me sharing this? Why am I sharing this with you guys? If I'm completely honest once again, if none of you came to me after that sermon, periodically checked in on me and said, even just, that was so funny. Hey, you're doing your push-ups. If you guys did not say that, I might have given up a lot sooner, right? After COVID and I didn't do it for a month. If nobody's mentioned anything, I'd be like, you know what? Nobody really knows. They don't care. It's just me and God anyway, whatever, right? 
But because people kept on encouraging me, I thought, oh, you know what? All right. I need to keep on doing this. And one thing that we know about ourselves is when we try to do something good, we try to build a good habit, if we don't do it for a few days, we kind of lose it, right? I'm going to eat healthy, and we do it for a week, and the next week, your friend takes you out to, like, burgers and fries. Like, oh, well, it's a cheat day. Oh, I'll get back to it tomorrow or whatever. But it's hard to pick up, right? Oh, I'm going to start running this year, and you do it for a few months, and you don't do it. Like, oh, unless you go to Orange Theory. You ladies are amazing. Orange Theory ladies, you guys are great, right? That's why encouragement is so important. That's why Paul ends this passage on the day of the Lord as being saying, encourage one another, build each other up, help each other, get through this, help each other go through this Christian life. We need the help. We need that support. It's hard working out alone, and it's also hard working out our faith alone. It takes the help of others. It takes the encouragement of others to build up our faith and live the Christian life in a world that's coming, turning more and more against God. As you begin the new year, you may once again set Christian goals for yourself, how to read the Bible or how to read it better or how to read more of it or how you may want to do worship at home. And there, there may be days when you miss a reading or two. And when you do, it may be rough to get back on track. And that is when we rely on those around us to help us and remind us to get back on track. When our lives with God goes off the rails, it's each other that we have to pull them back on, right? And that's what encouragement does. That's what building each other up does. Checking in every so often. How's your QT going? How's your reading plan going? How's your prayer life going? It goes a long way in making us keep our faith. It reminds us that there are people who care about us, who care about our faith, and wants to help us grow it. So this year, as you work on your Christian faith, can you help others as well? Can you encourage one another in their walks? Can you lift each other up and check up on one another? How are you doing? As you spend one time with one another, it's okay to talk about sports, and it's okay to talk about pop culture and family life and child rearing and, and school and work and this and that. But can you also be real with each other about your faith? Be real. I need help. Can you help me? Can you encourage one another? We don't know what will happen to us in 2023, but something unexpected can happen. Something bad can happen. Will you be there to continue to encourage one another so that if that day comes, that, they will be, that we'll be prepared for it? That is what Paul is telling the Thessalonians to do. There's nothing to fear, nothing to worry about in regards to the day of the Lord. But because you do worry and can stumble when you see things happening around you in life, please encourage and build each other up. Remind each other of the good news of the gospel that our Savior Jesus Christ was born so, so long ago. A child, 100% God, 100% human. He lived, he died, and resurrected so that all who believe in him will have eternal life. Remind each other daily of this fact. Whoever believes in this shall not perish but have eternal life. That no matter what 2020 brings, that we should know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is our Lord, that he remains supreme over all situations, and that he will see you through it all. Can you continually share this message with each other throughout the year? What are you looking forward to in 2023? Do you have any celebrations planned? A wedding a milestone birthday, the birth of a child. 
all great things to look forward to. But we also know, having lived this life long enough, that it will not just be good things that come in 2023, that we will have struggles, we will have sadness, we will have hurt and pain that can lead to doubt and frustration. And that is why we need to be there to encourage and build each other up. Can you be that person this year to those fellow believers here in this room and watching at home, to your fellow brothers and sisters in faith? It's easy to stay faithful when things are good. It's a whole lot tougher to do so when things are not well. So be encouraged because you, who are, you are one who is awake because you are children of light and your God is what you always. And then be an encourager to those who are weary and may fall asleep, to those who may slip back into their past dark ways. Always encourage, always build up. If you try to add at least one thing to your Christian character this year, try and become a better encourager to those around you. Let's pray together. Holy Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for being our God. And Lord, we thank you that you are God over all things, on all aspects of life, in the good and the bad. Lord, you're a God who gives, a God who takes away. Help us to know that you're still with us during those times. And Lord, help us to become a people who will remind each other just how good, good God you are, Lord Father. When it's hard to see at times when we face difficulties in the upcoming year, and when we struggle and doubt, may we become a fellowship that truly uplifts each other, builds each other up, and brings us each other back on track to you, O oh Lord. Continue to guide us and keep us always, Lord. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, now at this time.